Welcome, welcome. Hey, let me let me say something to those who are uh, watching from home right now. Um, I wanted to give you a little bit of a taste of what's been going on for us on Thursday nights when we gather at 630. We've been doing kind of an unplug thing. And so the way that works is we don't have the full band. It's usually just just an acoustic guitar. And like uh, this weekend, Brooke was singing with him. Uh, and then on the weekends, we have our full band. And just I just want you to know that because when you're ready and able to come back and worship with us, wanted you to know kind of how we are doing that. And we're going to continue to use Thursday nights to experiment a little bit. Is that okay? with you Thursday night people and we'll just try stuff every now and then and like we're gonna just pass out ice cream just because we can um that's not an experiment that's like that's like as important as donuts on a Sunday morning man ice cream on Thursday night so that's what we're doing um also this is a fourth of July weekend I'm just gonna say it just adds to the most bizarre year of all time right the weirdest Easter, the weirdest Mom's Day, the weirdest, you know, Dad's Day, the weirdest Fourth of July ever. It just doesn't stop. And then we uh, feel like a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, and then it seems shut again. And um, masks are required everywhere. Uh, we can't go dining inside restaurants anymore. That was so fun for three weeks. And um, and I got to say, I, I'm with you if you're feeling frustrated about all that kind of stuff. It, it's tough. It's tough. But let me just let me just throw something out, and then we're going to get to Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, find Ephesians chapter 4. Please don't make, um, where did I put my mask? I, I left it somewhere. Anyway, I think it's over there. I was going to say, don't make the, please don't make the mask for somebody else a test of faith. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I, I hear people saying, if you wear a mask, you don't trust God. And I want to say, shut up. The reality is some people, because of maybe someone at their home uh, is vulnerable health-wise, it's, it's not a test of faith. You can absolutely love God and trust God and still wear a mask, okay? Don't make that a, a test of faith. And if somebody chooses not to, don't get all up in their face either. It's like, can't we just be nice to each other through this time, right? So I just throw that out to you. Um, this is just another test for us in the way we deal with people when when things are difficult. You know what? It's easy. It's easy to be nice when everything's going well. Everything's going your way. When the phone rings on the guy in the front row. <laughs> I'm really glad you're here, but get out of here. And it might be a good reminder, even those of you at home, silence our phones right now. Okay. So thank you. Um, but I just want to just remind you, let's just be nice to each other. When it is going smoothly, it's easy. And when things get difficult, that's when our character is tested. That's when what's really on the inside comes bubbling out. And so I understand you feeling frustrated, maybe even angry. I get that. Just don't let that damage the way that you treat people and damage your witness in the midst of it. Okay, all agreed in that? Let's, let's continue to work on that and be better at that stuff, right? Okay, so Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're at. Let me give you a quick recap because, as I've mentioned, this, this little letter to the church at Ephesus is divided in half. The first half, where we've been covering, is all foundational truth kinds of stuff. So we found out in chapter 1, foundational truth, it was God's plan before he ever created the world that he was going to adopt us into his family. Wow. Now, the price for that adoption wasn't cheap. It was the precious blood of his son, Jesus. Jesus gave his life so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be a part of this amazing family that God has. And uh, hey, welcome back. Glad you're here. Um, 
everybody at home is going, what's going on? Well, the guy with the phone call is now back in the room. All right, so I just want you to know that. Uh, but we have this amazing opportunity to be adopted into his family. And then he actually tells us, it's, it's not just that we were without a family and he gave us a family, it's that we were dead and then he made us alive. And, and we, we kind of looked at that a couple weeks back, like in chapter two, it's like dead people can't really help themselves. And we were in that position and we are continually in that position. We can't do this on our own. We absolutely need God. This is another foundational truth. But woven into chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three is that this mystery that God has kind of kept, you know, uh, a little secret for, for a long time was now revealed when the, when the Bible's kind of written and the Apostle Paul and these early guys are talking about this. God's going to include everyone. This is not just a Jewish thing. The, the gospel, the good news, it's for everyone. Everybody's going to be included. And he continually talks about that through all of this. And then finally, he just says this in chapter three. It's, it's through the church that this really cool, amazing stuff gets shared out into the world. And so we get to be the ones that, that share this good news. So that's kind of the, the first three chapters, what we've been looking at. It's all foundational. Now we kind of shift to like, this is where the rubber hits the road. This is how we do it. This is how it's going to look like in our lives. And so before I begin in chapter four, let me just uh, share with you what one commentator said. His, his name is William Barclay. Uh, he's, he's, I'm sure he's dead because he wrote like a long, 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 long time ago. Um, if he's not, huh, amazing for him, I want to know the secret, but I think he's, he's probably been dead for some time. Um, but he said this right before the beginning of chapter four in his commentary. Before we begin this chapter, let us again remind ourselves that the central thought of this letter is that Jesus has brought to a disunited world. How does that sound today, right now, right now? A disunited world, the way to unity. This way is through faith in him, and it is the church's task to proclaim this message to all the world. And now Paul turns to the character, turns to the character the Christian must have if the church is to fulfill her great task of being Christ's instrument of universal reconciliation between man and man, and man and God within the world. Now, that, that's a big thing right there. But he's saying he, the, the whole central idea is that he came to a dis- unity culture, and he's bringing unity, and he is the solution to that. We, we talked about that last week, but I just want to say that before we transition into chapter four, I thought that was some good stuff. If you want to take notes, write these things down. So first thing is this, we is better than they. We is better than they. There's going to be a lot of we stuff when we talk about the church, and we're talking specifically about unity this week. We is better than they. Let me give you the reality. We are positioned naturally against people who are different than us. So typically it's mine versus yours. Well, and however that looks. So politically, Democrat versus Republican. Uh, racially, white versus black or any other colors you want to throw in there, right? We're, we're positioned to kind of look at people who are different than us in a different way. Uh, philosophically, right versus left. Um, Practically, Raiders fans versus everyone who's nice and loving and cares about God and Jesus and their neighbor. It's that different, people. We're positioned. I, I got to say, I am kidding a little bit, all right? I, I did my whole, like, God doesn't love tall people last week thing, and 
Some of you weren't sure. I, I, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. I want to make sure you know that. When I do kid, sometimes I need to remind you that I am because I sometimes do it in a straight face. But I'm kind of serious about the whole Raiders fan versus everyone nice. I just want to make sure that we clarify that, right? But we're kind of positioned that way. Like we, we, we notice the differences. We point out the differences. We, we sometimes use the differences as, as leverage or as motivation or whatever it is, right? But even in the church, us versus them, it, it can be a way that we talk about the culture outside of these walls, us versus them, which is scary enough. But it even happens within the walls, us versus them. Oh, yeah, those are the people like the loud music. Oh, those are the people like that unplugged stuff. Us versus them, us versus them. I did a study years ago. I was reading a study years ago because our church used to do two different styles of worship on a regular basis. We had a traditional service uh, early on Sunday mornings. And uh, by, the, by the way, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but we, we did away with that service because that service was dying off. In this room, which could seat 500 people, we were down to like 50 people, and we were getting ready to start some new things. And it's like we, we couldn't keep doing that. So anyway, I don't know why I told all that. Anyway, so we used to do two different styles of service. But I was reading a survey. It said this. Churches in America that grow have one style of service or they have three or more. That was interesting. Why wouldn't churches with two styles thrive? Aren't you making two different people happy? You know, I kept reading and, and I kind of figured it out as I'm reading, but the reality was it created an us versus them mentality in the same church. When you have three or more styles, it's like, it's still we. It's not us versus them. How easy we can use the stuff even inside of the church, inside of our walls. It's us versus them. One of the things that I love about our pastor's prayer fellowship in town, and I tell you about them regularly, we meet on Thursday mornings. I met this morning, 7 a.m. We read the Bible together. We prayed together. One of the things I love about those guys is while we're from different churches in town and we do things differently, we could spend our time focusing on our differences. We could argue we could like go to blows on some stuff because we feel passionate about some of those things. But instead, as a group, we've chosen to focus on what we all have in common and his name is Jesus. And I love those guys. I don't want to do church the way they do. They don't want to church the way we do. But we love Jesus and we, we know we're on the same team. So here's the key word for all of this. We is better than they. Here's the key word, unity, unity. Now let's get into Ephesians chapter four. Before we get into the unity, he really paints with a broad brushstroke here. He says, chapter four, verse one, is a prisoner for the Lord. We talked about that last week. Then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That's big. Let that one soak in. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. You can go over to Philippians chapter one and read that in Chapter, or chapter one, verse 27 and following. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. A man was handing out tracks in town and a guy came up to him and, and the man stuck a track in his hand and he goes, I'm sorry, I can't read. What is this? And he says, it's a track. He goes, it's about what? He goes, about how to find Jesus. And he goes, well, I can't read, so I'll just follow your tracks. See what he did there? For a guy who didn't read, that was a really good play on words. People do watch you. They pay attention to you. It's not just that you have a cube on the back window of your car and they expect you to drive nicely. 
It's not just that you have maybe a, a, a Christian t-shirt. I don't, I don't know if a Christian t-shirt ever, ever won anybody to Jesus, but sometimes the people who wear them actually treat people with respect and gentleness and love. And it's like, that's the thing that's going to get it, right? So live a life worthy of the calling. Then he says this. He's going to give us a list of virtues, the ingredients to make this whole unity thing work. He says, be completely humble and gentle be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the bond of peace. Make, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You, you can see how thick the unity talk is here, all the one stuff, but he gives those ingredients. He says we've got to be humble. I remember uh, my dad saying this, and I think, I don't know if it was original with you, dad, or not, but I remember him saying, being humble doesn't mean thinking uh, less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Do you hear the difference? You're not, you're not putting yourself down. Like God has given you gifts and ability. You're made in his image, but you just think about yourself less. Like a humble person is needed if we're going to have unity. We're also going to need some gentle people. That, that word can also be translated meek, which really isn't weak at all, right? The, the, in fact, the idea of this word is we have the ability to get revenge, but we don't. We have the power to get back at someone, but we don't. We, we choose to be gentle. And then he talks about being patient. And really this patience, this word here really is about never, ever, ever, ever giving up. Specifically, never giving up on people. So we're patient with people. He says, bearing with one another in love. And that word, the love there, some of you are like Bible scholars, you know, there's these different words for love. There's the kind of like, you know, you're my friend love. And then there's like, you're my wife love. And then there's like the agape love. That's the Greek word, agape. And it really is this selfless, I will do whatever it takes for what is best for you kind of love. That's what God has done for us. He did what we needed. And so he says, this is the kind of love we have to have when we're going to bear with one another. If we're going to be unified, we have to have this kind of love. But we, we just don't put ourselves first. And we care about what other people are doing and how we can make their life even better. And then he says, you know, we're going to be unified. There, there's a little book uh, by Larry Osborne. Some of you might know that name. He's the pastor at uh, North Coast Church in the Vista Oceanside area. Huge church down there. And I love one of the things he says in a book called Sticky Teams. He says this, unity, talking about the church, unity is the one thing you can't leave to chance. I mean, if, if we don't make unity a priority, it is way too easy for all those little divisions to just happen naturally. And so we've, we've got to do that. In fact, let me say it this way. The church doesn't have a hope of changing the world out there if we can't get along in here. There's got to be unity. And so one of the things this pastor's prayer fellowship thing I, I was telling you about, uh, we're doing starting uh, this next Monday morning at 7 a.m., for seven days in a row, six of those mornings, Monday through Saturday in the morning, and then the following Sunday night at, uh, in, in the evening. 
Uh, I put this on my blog this week. We'll give you more information about this and, and have it on our social media stuff. But we're going to be at a different location every morning. Now, you don't have to go there if you don't want to or if you can't. Maybe you're commuting. Maybe you're working. Maybe you have kids at home. Leaving them alone at 7 in the morning is not a good idea. We get that, right? So we're giving you the stuff we're praying about every day. We're giving you the verses. And in each of those locations, one pastor is going to read like six, seven verses, and another pastor is going to pray. That's what's going to happen. It's, it's not going to take a long time. Please, if you do come and join us, like I said last week, don't bring signs. We don't want banners. This isn't a protest. Don't bring hats. Make America godly again. Just, just come and pray, right? We're not making a scene. We're just praying for our community. And so I'll just give you the rundown. We're going to be at the Hemet Hospital, Hemet Unified School District, My City Youth Center, Hemet Police Station, Chamber of Commerce, Weston Park, and City of San Jacinto City Hall. Those are the seven places we're going to be praying for different things at each of those places. And it kind of reminded me, you know, the idea is that we're going to want to tear down some walls that are out here. We want our community to be a better place. And so instead of just rolling up our sleeves and trying to make it happen ourselves, we're just going to say, God, we, we desperately need your help. And in the midst of that, uh, can we just skip ahead for a minute? Ephesians chapter 6, we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. Remember what we talked about when we were talking about the protests? The issue is not skin. The issue is sin. It's a spiritual battle. And so we're going to pray. And so I invite you, whether you're able to be there or not, or at some time during the day, you pray about these things with us. Read those verses. Pray over our valley and our community about these things. Jesus, in chapter 17 of John, in his prayer, before he goes and is arrested and, and gives his life for us, he says, God, make them one. Make them one. Do you remember why he said that? So that the world would know. You know, through our unity, remember, through the church, God is making his manifold wisdom known. But through the church, through our unity, we have credibility to share the best news ever. If we're fighting with each other, people out there aren't saying, boy, I really want to know more about the church. I mean, right? They're, they're not saying that. They're, they're watching us fight with each other. You know, right, right now, the world doesn't need 7,000 denominations. It doesn't need factions and divisions. It needs the church. And, and we, the people, are the church who can show up in their life and be humble and gentle and patient and loving and show them what it's like to be reconciled with each other and God in unity. Number two, we is greater than me. We is greater than me. Me is an issue in the church. I don't know if you know this. I'm not just saying me. Me is an issue. I'm, me is an issue too. But like me, anytime we say me, it's an issue. Uh, a few months back, I had a guy call the church and my office is, my, my, my personal office isn't here. So I came up to meet somebody. We sat out on the patio out there in the shade at one of the tables and we talked for like 45 minutes. And he had never been to our church before, but he had heard good things. And he says, I need to ask you some things about your church before I come visit it. And so this is a guy who obviously had some biblical background. He had some church background. He wanted to test me. I knew what was happening. So he asked me doctrinal questions. He asked me about teaching style. He asked me about some of our methods. And so we're, we're like well over 30 minutes into this. And he says, I like your answers. I'm like, okay, good. Well, will I see you this weekend? He goes, oh, I got, I got one more question. He said, um, 
I've heard your music is pretty loud. Would you consider it turning it down? <laughs> I, I was way nicer than I thought inside. I really was. I was just like, okay, let me get this straight. You've never been here before, and you're already telling me how to do what we do. I said, hey, I appreciate our time together, but you will be far happier at another church. Have a good day. See, I learned a long time ago that we're not going to make everybody happy. No one church is. And it's quite freeing, honestly, when you realize there are other churches. You know, you know, I, I want a church that handles snakes. Okay, well, there's a church over there that does that. You know, I want a church that sings out of hymn books. Okay, well, there's a couple over there that do that. It's like, we can't do everything to make everybody happy. But as soon as somebody walks in the door and it's all about me and what I want, I want you to turn the volume down. I want you to turn the air conditioner up. I want a more comfortable chair. I would like one that reclines. It's, it's, if me is the issue, then unity doesn't have a chance. It doesn't have a chance. By the way, I know not everyone likes the volume. Because some of you like it louder than we ever do it. And you're like, can you do it louder? Can you do it louder? I get that. There will never be unity if every single person always demands their own way. It's just not going to happen. We don't become the church God desires if we put me before we. And so here is the key word, maturity. Maturity learns to put other people first. Maturity learns what is best about the vision and the mission, how we can support that, how we can do that. Ephesians chapter 4, let's start reading verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. By the way, that's really similar language to other places where the Apostle Paul is talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He gives us gifts according to his grace. So he's, he's talking about he gifts us in order to make a difference. By the way, we already kind of talked about that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Listen to this. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he says, I'm giving you these gifts. And, he, and here he says, as, as his grace saw fit in our lives. And then verse eight, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Let me just stop for a second. That's, that's kind of a weird section thrown in the middle of all this. This is what he's saying. By the way, he's quoting from an Old Testament passage in Psalm 68, I think. And he actually flips it around. In, in Psalm 68, it says he is receiving gifts from people, and now he's giving gifts to people. So it, he changes the meaning of it. But he's saying, you know, he came down here to give us what we needed most. And in that, he received from us. But now he's, back. he's actually giving us now what we need to continue the mission. Let's get more practical. Verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith of God, in the faith and in the knowledge of God. My, my battery on my iPad is about to go out. I'm just going to give you a heads up. If that does, we're done. <laughs> Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. But by the way, I, I use verse 11 uh, for myself and with our staff. I'm going to open up my Bible app over here just in case that happens. Um, and I've, I talked about our, with our staff today. I said, your job as a staff, as a leader in our church, is not to do all the ministry. Your job is to give other people jobs. Our job is to equip you to do ministry. We're, we're going to do it together. And here's the, here's the good news. 
When we all work together, we can accomplish way more than we could ever do on our own. But let me say it another way. If you're not using your gifts here, and you're not volunteering your time, and you're not sharing your resources, then there is stuff that is not happening that God wants to happen through his church in this place. You know, we really honestly unleash the power of the church when we release the people of the church to do ministry. And let me just give you a promise in the midst of all that. We're going to be the kind of a church that always helps people feel comfortable when they come in. We, we do that with the way we dress. We do that with, you know, serving ice cream. We, we do that in different ways. We want people to feel comfortable, but we're also going to always confront people with the truth of God and what he wants for us and then through us. We're not going to just say, okay, God loves you. Bye. God loves you. And here's what he wants for your life. And here's how he wants to use your life to make a difference in other people. Now, we have in America today a huge kind of me church mentality. I don't know if you've heard these things or maybe you've said them, but I'm looking for a church that meets my needs. I'm church shopping for a church that best fits me. What can your church do for me? What ministries do you have to offer me? I don't care much for teaching about what God wants from me. I'm more interested in what God is going to do for me. Me, 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 me. But God's original idea is that our me would melt away into a we when we're a part of a church family. And God's goal for you and me is that we could be a church that makes a difference in the community that we live in. Now, I mentioned that he gave us gifts, and he does give us gifts, and there's other places in the Bible that list out different kinds of gifts, leadership, and encouragement, all, all kinds of stuff. But one of the things you could do, and I came across this a long time ago, and I've always kind of stuck it in my head, but let me put this up here. We can discover our gift. We can also develop our gift, and then we need to deploy our gift. You know, figure out the way God has made you. What what are you good at? What has God done in your life that you could share with somebody else? So discover that, but then develop it, and then make sure you deploy that. Make sure you're using that for the benefit of others. Number three. We are the body of Christ. That's a cool picture that he gives us over and over throughout Scripture. Paul uses it a lot as a picture for us to understand how the church is supposed to work. But, but here's the key word for this. It's mission. We get these last few verses, and it's really about mission. Verse 14, he says, then, when? <laughs> when we work and we grow together, you know, as the church, when we serve side by side, in unity, then... We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every form or by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. By the way, a result of living, working, serving together is that we, we build up our own, uh, our own life, but we build that up with others in relationship with others in Jesus Christ. And we're all going to be a newborn at some point, right? Just, just a couple of weeks ago, we baptized a man named Ephron at our church. Ephron had just turned 80 two days before that. And when I asked him, as I always ask people, why are you getting baptized? You know, he says, I want to give my life to Christ. He says, and I want people to know it's never too late, right? We're all newborns, whether we're 80 or we're 15 or whenever we make that decision to follow Christ, we're going to be newborns at some point, but we're expected to grow. Verse 15, instead... This is such an important line, maybe more in our culture now than ever, speaking the truth in love. 
we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And there is this authentic community where we invest ourselves in what's called a church family. And it is messy sometimes, but it's also very real. Verse 16, from him, the whole body, that's the body of Christ, that's us, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. And this is all super incredible. If you understand this last line now, we've kind of talked about a bunch of stuff. Here's the final, like, boom, before we get to next week's stuff. Here it is, as each part does its work. As each part does its work. As each part does its work. Who's, who's each of us? Each of us have a role. Each of us have ministry. Each of us has things that we can do that make a difference in the church. And, and notice this, this idea of being built up is not just a classroom setting. You know, we, we do have teaching moments like this. We have Bible studies and life groups where people get to interact with the Word of God and ask for questions and study and learn. But, but we really grow, I believe we grow best when we start putting it into action. We begin to serve side by side. We, we learn from the people we're serving with. We, we learn from the people who've been a little bit further down the road than we are in their faith. And then those of us who are a little further down, we learn from those who are brand new because they're seeing things with eyes that we maybe we have forgotten about, right? Oh man, how cool it is to see through those newborn eyes what Jesus is really all about. And sometimes we've been a Christian so long, we're like, oh, I know he rose from the dead. <laughs> I know. But somebody hearing that for the first time is like, oh, what? And I need to be around that person sometimes. I need to be around that person a lot, right? So here's the series, Church on the Move. Why do we call it that? Because the church isn't about a location. The church isn't about being you know, stuck in one spot. The church is, is a movement of people. And it happens in your neighborhood and it happens where you work and it happens where you go eat outside or take it out and eat outside. Or, you know, it happens wherever we are, right? That's the church is on the move. And if you're new to community, I just want to throw in here our mission. And we say it with these three phrases, stepping in, building up, living out. Our mission as a church, this is the reason we exist is to help people step into a relationship with Christ, to build that up, that relationship, and then to live that out 24-7. That, that's what we try to do as a church. And so there are a lot of good things we could do, but man, we always make sure it fits in one of those three categories. And even then we're like, we can't do everything, so we're gonna do what we feel like this is what God has called us to do in this, in this community, in this, in this valley, in this culture that we're a part of. We're gonna help people step into a relationship with Jesus, build them up, and show them how to live it out. I'm going to wrap this up this way. And fortunately, my battery lasted till the end. But like I began, let me say it this way. We live in some pretty crazy times. And it is frustrating. And I don't know if you've watched the news much lately or if you just like, I can't watch the news now. I mean, like, I kind of go through waves. I actually went like two whole weeks without watching the news. It felt so good. And then I watched it some again this week. And it's just, it's frustrating. There's so much stuff going on. We're wondering, you know, who's telling us the truth? What, what really is the solution? 
can I gonna just suggest to you a handful of things that maybe we can all do? And I, I think this comes along with what he's talking about in Ephesians chapter four. So these things kind of percolate because of what we're going through. But, but I think one thing is just be kind. Sounds so simple, but just be kind. I was talking to a business owner today. I, I went into their business to get something that I needed. And they stopped me for a second and they said, can I just tell you how frustrated I am right now? I'm like, sure. So we talked about it for a little bit. They said, what do you do if people walk into your business and yell at you because of something you have hanging on your wall? You know, it was just a patriotic thing and they're just yelling at him. I said, well, you can be kind. So chances are they probably feel like nobody's ever listened to them. And just, just lower your volume. Don't, don't escalate with them. Lower your volume a little bit and just say, can you explain to me why you're so upset? I really want to understand. And then after you listen, then you say, no, I, I listened to you. Can I, can I tell you my side of some things? And, but I said the whole time, just be kind, be kind, be kind. By the way, it's really hard to do on Facebook. It's really hard to do on social media. Be careful there. I mean, be careful there. You throw out stuff. You don't know how that's going to be taken. You don't know how that's going to go. It's way easier to have that conversation with somebody face-to-face because you can watch body language. They, they might say the right, right words, but the tone that they use, you know they're being sarcastic. But if you would have seen that in a text or on social media, like, oh, great, we're, we're all good. No, you're not good. They said, I love you. You know, that wasn't like, oh, I love you. You know, right? So be Be kind. Here's another one. Don't, don't run to the extremes. Unity is not going to be found with us running to the extremes. Okay, extreme example. Can I just throw it out there? Completely defund police. Now, that's not only the dumbest idea I've ever heard. That's an extreme, right? So, does reform need to happen? Yes, if a bad policeman does something that is a felony, should they be arrested? Yes. There should be consequences. But you don't just run to the extreme and do away with all. So, but, but there's all kinds of extremes that people are throwing out there now. I mean, on, on every side. We have to be really careful. Don't, don't run for the extremes. Look for the common ground that you can have with people and build a relationship with people, even though you don't always agree with them. And let me just say, below the surface of all this, pray. Pray, 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 pray. Pray with us this next week, but, but I mean just pray regularly. Pray for people by name. See their face. See their family. Pray for them. And the last thing I just jotted down was just faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. But I think people need all three of those. They don't get that from just reading a book. They get that from, from reading your life. Faith, hope, and love. Why don't you guys, Justin, why don't you come on back up? They're going to sing a song over you called The Blessing. And uh, some of you know this song. We've been, we've been doing it at our church now for a couple of months. And I, I want you to hear this song, and I want you to hear it as our closing prayer. And then if you need prayer afterwards, just make your way up here. But let me quickly just pray for you, and then this song will be our prayer that we can all sing over each other, okay? God, thank you for being with us, and we sure are, we sure are going to make some mistakes along the way. 
especially in how we handle some of the stuff when we get frustrated, when we get angry. God, forgive us. Help us just to be more kind. Help us to build on the things that could unite us so that we can show people in practical ways what you're all about. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.